I woke up this morning and uh, my belt, I can go into another buckle. Um, I suspect that's because it's nerves. <laughs> I hope so anyway. But yeah, so um, we're going to try and uh, finish off Luke chapter 8 today. Uh, appreciate, John, what you did for me last week as well. I hear good things, so it's all good. Um, Luke chapter 8, please. I'll record it on my phone, Kai, just as well. Luke chapter 8, we're going to start at verse 40. And as Jesus returned, the people welcomed him, for they had all been waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, and he was an official of the synagogue. And he fell at Jesus' feet and began to implore him to come to his house. For he had a only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. And immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, Who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the, crowd, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone did touch me. For I'm aware that power had gone out of me. For when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how that she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, while he was still speaking, someone came from the house of a synagogue official saying, Your daughter has died. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But when Jesus heard this, he answered him, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe, and she will be made well. When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the girl's fathers and father and mother. Now they were all weeping and lamenting for her, but he said, Stop weeping, for she has not died, but is asleep. And they began, began to laugh at him, knowing that she had died. He, however, took her by the hand and called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up immediately, and he gave orders for something to be given her to eat. Her parents were amazed, but he instructed them to tell no one what had happened, what had happened. So we're hopefully going to get through Luke chapter 8 today. We're hopefully going to finish it. Um, you thought the doozy was long, you thought Jim was long, now you've discovered that I too am long as well. Okay, But hopefully we'll, be, we'll get through this and hopefully we'll be able to draw out some lessons and applications which can affect us today and the rest of the week and, and so forth as well. But just a quick recap, okay? How I broke up uh, Luke chapter 8 initially was the first, it was in two halves. We had Luke chapter 8 verses 1 to 21 and that has emphasis on the word of God. And how I broke that out was verses 1 to 3, we have preaching the word, 
4 to 18, the parables of the word, 19 to 21, priority of the word. And then we broke into chapter 8, uh, verses 22 to 56, and that has emphasis on the power of God. Okay, now how I broke that down uh, was verses 22 to 25, we have the power over storms. Verses 26 to 39, we have power over spirits, uh, and John dealt with those two sections last week. And then we have verses 40 to 56, power of sickness. Okay, power of sickness. So this is where we are now in Luke chapter 8. We're in that section which we call the Lord Jesus Christ having power over sickness. Okay, we can break it down further, would you believe? Okay, we can break it down in the sense that the Lord Jesus Christ in verses 40 to 48 has power over disease. Okay, for we see that he heals a woman who is hemorrhage for 12 years. We also see that he has power over death. In verses, four, uh, verses 49 to 56. So power over disease, power over death. If you want the triplet, he's got power over demons, he's got power over disease, he's got power over death. Okay? I like my alliteration because it helps me understand where I am. Okay? I know you're going to love it, Claire. So let's just break in and see what we can draw first of all. I want you to notice a few things first of all from verses 40 to 42. Okay, from verse 40 to 42. This is where the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back now to Galilee from where he had been to heal the demon-possessed man. And he has travelled over and the people welcome him with open arms. Okay, the people welcome him with open arms. Very much not like what happened when he healed the demon-possessed man. They actually said, I think it is, where is it? It says, they asked him, yes. Verse 37, it says, And the people of the country of Jerusalem and the surrounding district asked him to leave them, for they were gripped with great fear, and he got into the boat and returned. Compare that to what happened in verse 40. And as Jesus returned, the people welcomed him, for they had all been waiting for him. Okay, quick application. All right, quick application. As God's people, what are we doing? Are we gripped by fear when we think of the Lord Jesus Christ returning to collect us to be with him, or do we welcome it? Do we welcome the idea that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again to call us to be with him? Now, I will confess to you that sometimes I am gripped by fear. All right. Why? Because I do not feel sometimes I act as I should. And I'm terrified of what happens when I stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm also gripped by fear for loved ones. Okay? I know many of you in, this, in, in the hall will understand where I'm coming from with that. I'm gripped by fear because of the loved ones that I have. Where will they be? All right? So I have to confess, I am like those people on the other side sometimes. I'm scared. But when we spend time together, when we spend time reading God's word, when we spend time understanding what it means for Christians, for the Lord Jesus Christ to be with us and for us to see him face to face, as we've been thinking about this morning, it should be a joyous occasion. We should be looking forward to him as well. So just a quick application for each of us there. And what we notice, when he comes over back in the Galilee, we see that the Lord Jesus Christ was particularly welcomed 
by a man called Jairus, okay? He was a synagogue ruler, okay? And he was welcomed because this poor man had a 12-year-old daughter who was dying, all right? And he needed, in desperation, the Lord Jesus Christ to come to his house to heal his daughter, all right? But what we see is the story breaks up, okay? So when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, he meets Jairus, Jairus comes to him and he falls at his feet, and then what we see is Jairus has to wait. He has to wait for the Lord to come to his house. Why? Because there was someone else the Lord had to heal, someone who needed him just as much, and someone who was just as important. But when we get to know about this woman, from a society point of view, they don't think she's important at all. Okay? So we've seen the Lord welcomed by the people, verses 43 to 48. We're going to see the Lord has power over disease. Brace yourself, I've got more alliteration. Okay? We have, I want you to notice her condition, her cure, and her confession. Okay? Condition, cure, confession. Right. First of all, verse 43, look at her condition. Okay. If you've got a King James Bible, it will tell you that she had what we call an issue of blood. I like talking like that because it's, I've struggled to say hemorrhage all the time. Okay. I get tongue-tied quite a lot. So she had an issue of blood with a King James Version. In the ESV, which I think most of you seem to have, it's called a discharge of blood. Now, what you want to do when you have your own time is go back and read Leviticus chapter 15. All right? And according to the law of Moses in Leviticus chapter 15, this woman, whoever had a flow of blood, it rendered a woman ceremonial unclean. You'll have to go back to Leviticus and read that yourself to understand what that means. Okay? But ultimately, it made, this, it made women once a month You'll know what I mean by that, hopefully. It means made women, once a month, unclean. Okay? So they, if they touched anyone, that person was unclean. If they went into the temple, well, they were kicked out because they couldn't go to the temple. Okay? They were unclean. This woman had it constantly for 12 years. She had been unclean in society's view for 12 years. Okay? Now... now this would have meant quite a serious thing for her. If she was married and she gained this condition, when mainly, normally, what would have happened is her husband would have divorced her because she couldn't be with an unclean woman. All right? I don't understand this thought either. Okay? But it would have forced her to either be divorced if she was married, or if she wasn't married and single, she would have had to remain single. Okay. She would also have to remain outside of society because if she touched anyone, that person would be classed as unclean as well. So you see, it wasn't just her condition that was her problem. It was the idea of how society saw her and the laws which were about at that time that caused her to have an issue. Now go back to Leviticus, read those laws. They were there for a specific purpose. Okay. However, however... The religious system at the time did nothing for her, didn't help her at all. Okay. If you read Mark's, uh, uh, if you read Mark's uh, gospel, I suspect Luke misses it out. I think mainly because he's a doctor. 
and he's hiding the idea of what the doctors did. Maybe, I don't know. But he basically, Luke defends his position by not including this. Mark, though, he says that she had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. This woman was in a dire situation. All right? So the medical profession could do nothing for her whatsoever. Society did nothing for her. And also, we know, because of the religious system at that time, the religious system did nothing for her as well. Perhaps, just perhaps, I'm being fanciful, maybe, perhaps the Lord, with Jairus, the synagogue ruler, stopping to make sure this woman was healed and making her confess that she was now cleansed, perhaps that was a slight rebuke to the fact that Jairus was part of a system that did nothing to help this woman. Maybe. All right. But I wonder if we get an application from this. All right. How can I put it? Nothing in this world, okay, be it medical, be it religious, be it cultural, be it um, wealth, be it anything, nothing in this world can deal with the problem that we have, which is sin. Nothing whatsoever. And just like nothing was able to help this woman with her disease, nothing is able to help us with our problem of sin. Nothing but... I was going to sing a student I used to sing in Sunday school, but won't sing that. All right? Nothing but faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Absolutely nothing can do anything about your disease of sin but the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't know that today, here's your opportunity to be reminded of it. All right? Nothing can, be, can actually cure you of your sin, just like this woman, except faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if that's her condition. Verse 44, her cure. Okay, look what she did. She touched the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Now, in Mark's gospel, what you read is she, she heard about the Lord Jesus Christ. She came to where the Lord Jesus Christ was, and then she touched the Lord Jesus Christ. It, now, just pick that, picture that in relation to salvation. We hear the message of the gospel. We come to a place, or we go, and we speak to people who can explain the message of the gospel. And in faith, we reach out and grasp hold of the Lord Jesus Christ. 